right, welcome back to At The Face and a happy new year to all the show's listeners. We're starting the year with a great double episode from Anna Pedersen, coaching coordinator for the European Lacrosse Federation. As usual, special thanks to the show's Patreon supporters. If you'd like to show your support for the show, head over to Patreon to receive early access and bonus content. Episode 29, Anna Pedersen. How are you? You good? I'm, I'm good. Uh, happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Did you have a good time? Uh, oh man, I had some curveballs hit me before Christmas that were not COVID related. And let me tell you, oh, it was a rough Christmas. It was quite oh, rough. Oh no. Um, but uh, now we're the New Year. So I'm excited. I'm actually excited to be back at work and back kind of being busy. Uh, I think that'll help with things. But at the end of the day... It was still nice. We had we had snow, which we don't usually have in December. Oh wow! And oh, that's um, cool. I got to go to a nice like cabin trip for the past four days. Oh wow! Skiing, yeah. Very nice. nice. So uh, can't complain about that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We all uh, we all went back to work today on mass in the in the UK. Um, oh yeah. And there is like just in the office. A... Yeah, I mean, I I don't work in an office, but just back in general. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but there was an there was a massive like air of depression yeah. going right you everywhere have, you went did you have monday off then yes we got the bank ah. holiday because oh, it yeah. fell uh because it holiday. fell on a, over the weekend mm-hmm. so got an extra day which was cool um nice but yeah i gotta say it sucks to be back i'm not looking i, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't looking forward to it at all oh um, i'm super pumped because like for the first time we will actually have tournaments again like what's wild about me starting this job or taking this job with European lacrosse is I started in January 2020. Oh wow! So you, yeah, you don't actually know any different then, do you? To no. what like how it's so, been? No, I don't. And so, so some of the, the questions were just like, oh, you know, what's been challenging or who's killing it? And I was like, I honestly, it's I've got a clue. A, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's so much like you don't get to gossip, and not that gossip is the right word, but. Um, have as much insight i think as you would normally to yeah absolutely how everyone's functioning and uh but you know at the end of the day that's kind of what's made my my time so cool here because i've been able to do some some cool stuff that i'm just super proud of so that's I'm cool excited. this is also my first podcast so i'm buzzing for this one really um, I, I was, yeah i'm really buzzing for well for me, it's like, it, it's role reverse. So I make the UK lacrosse stuff is, you know, I, I'm always involved in it. I try and make it my business. Mm. And when I thought about like, let's do a European episode, we had Henning on before. I, I just find it so interesting because it's like, it's untapped territory for me. I don't know yeah. a lot about it. So, And um, I have the, the opposite because I wish there were 30 of you because being able to get on the ground experiences and perspectives every week from all around the UK uh, is is hugely informative for me because then I get to have, you know, here's what it's like in a small town in the North uh, Midlands or whatever and yeah. trying to structure a league. Uh, even though, you know, we're not able to really solve those kinds of problems, it still helps us. It's free knowledge, essentially, right? So Absolutely. It helps me, Absolutely. Um, helps me do my job better. So if we had one in every country, I mean, I'd have to have someone... Uh, I'd have to pay a lot of translators to, <laughs> <laughs> to give me some some subtitles or or whatever. But um, it's it's hugely um, hugely helpful for me. Oh, that's uh, great to, to hear. It seems on. to go down really well as well. Like mm. it tells me where people download. Um, like someone regularly downloads it in Brazil. 
which kind of blew my awesome. mind a little bit. But yeah, it goes like Europe's pretty popular. Mm. Um, and I've, I've been quite impressed with like how you talk to talk to someone um, and they've got European knowledge or they've got because it's such a small little world that we all, yeah. we all play in. They've, they've kind of dabbled in some area. Um, it doesn't just stay within the UK. Uh, I'm always keen to do like European episodes and that. So I say let's do more, more of them, more the merrier. <laughs> All right, Anne, are you ready for this? Okay, first, before we start, my name is pronounced Anna. <laughs> Anna, right. So I was actually going to go in with how do you pronounce your second name? But yeah. how, right, first name is Anna. Yeah. Second name is well, it depends on where you live. So here, my name is Anna Peterson, but right. I say Anna Peterson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you want Especially me to refer to you as? <laughs> Anna is fine. Anna Peterson works. That's what most people say outside of Norway. All right. Cool. Sounds good. All right, Anna, where did you first get into lacrosse? Uh, I first got into lacrosse in the sunny town of Edinburgh. Scotland? In Scotland, yeah. Did you? <laughs> I, I wanted to come up with a plot twist like right off the bat. That is um, definitely a plot twist. And actually it turned it into actually a UK-based uh, experience <laughs> um, <laughs> coming from Europe. Uh, but no, I lived in Edinburgh twice, actually, uh, as a kid um, from four to six and then from eight to ten. Um, so I was introduced to lacrosse in primary school at uh, in gym class at uh, St. George's School for Girls. Shout out to any other old girls uh, who check out the podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, it was just one of those sports that you learn. My dad was on a work contract, and so mm-hmm. we, you know, I never I grew up going to regular kind of state schools in the states and the that kind of business. So coming to a, a independent school in all girls in Scotland, whereas very much, you know, now I recognize it as Harry Potter-esque, but um, <laughs> it was just a completely wild, wildly different experience. Uh, so we learned, you know, I and it's, I don't even remember that much liking lacrosse as much as I remember hating field hockey. So, with you. Oh yeah. 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 The whole, down. just like the back and the bending over, I was like, no, I'm not into this. Um, but my childhood was kind of wacky. I moved almost every single year of primary school. So I wow. went to five different primary schools in six years in two different countries and three different states. So what made my time at St. George is actually very special. And I think imprinted on me very much as a, as a kid was that it was the only primary school I went to for more than one year. Um, so it's the only kind of school I went to until I was about 10 or 11 where I showed up on the first day and someone knew my name and, and my birthday and like color, my favorite color and all that stuff. So it was like such a huge moment for me. I was like, oh my God, I have friends. Like, oh, uh, instead of, instead of moving. And then, um, so that was, I was there for primary, primary three, primary four. And, uh, so I never actually got to play because it was a bit before, uh, you got to join teams and then. 10 years later, I guess, or no, six years later, I was in the States in high school. Uh, at that point, I was in Texas. And uh, in March, when the season started, I started seeing kilts around the around my high school. And I knew exactly what it was. I didn't even have to ask. And I had this, I think, wave of nostalgia. I was like, oh my God. At that point, I wasn't really playing anything. I had tried you know, a bunch of different sports while I was growing up, but I saw that kilt. I was like, no, that's going to be my sport. And here, that was the year 2000. So now I'm in the year 22 <laughs> of this awesome. uh, of this sport. So so yeah, you, that's. Can you give me a favor? Can you just pull your microphone a little bit closer towards you, if that's all right, if you can. Yes. Perfect. Is that okay. better? Yeah, that's that's spot on. All right. So what was? How come you were moving around so much? Uh, my dad's job. 
job. So yeah, I lived in the U.S. and uh, and Scotland and Norway as a kid. Wow. Yeah. Did you kind of move around the U.S. as well? Or was the U.S. Like, yeah, so I was home in base? Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, and also Washington State on the West Coast as an adult. Uh, and then when I went to university, I moved to Canada. <laughs> so then I lived in Canada for eight years. Um, so truly, so, and so then I've now been in Norway seven and a half. So altogether, I think I'm about to hit 15 or 16 in Europe total. Wow. Um, so yeah, I know so I sound quite American, Norway? but, uh, yes. Oh, there's no one more excited to fight back against North American centric politics <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and instincts in lacrosse than myself. <laughs> I'd say you've got a, you've got a strong American accent, but it, you can tell it's not like American American accent. You yeah, can it's tell quite it's a bit European bland. There. Actually, most people think I'm Canadian because actually my I can tell that I actually sound more Canadian uh, now than I do kind of from the south. Uh, but if I'm around my mother, then. It's uh, very much gets a southern <laughs> Pick it bit back of a up. drawl. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because I moved so often. My accent is so flexible. It's just like I pick up rhythms and things like that of different uh, accents. But also, I will say, listening to to this podcast, I have zero problem understanding anyone's accent if they're from the UK, which is usually quite <laughs> difficult for a lot of Americans. I'm like, oh no, I know exactly. You're from Doncaster. I can tell. I can yeah. tell. <laughs> I know your postcode. I can. Yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So people who have to like watch, they talk about watching shows like Dairy Girls and needing sub subtitles. I'm like, oh no no. <laughs> I lived in I lived in Scotland. It's gonna be fine. If you can deal with Scottish, it's like the thickest accent ever. That mm. and you know the Scouse accent. Yeah, uh, Edinburgh's like quite Microsoft. tame though. Uh, I would say. You reckon? Yeah, compared to the Highlands or or Glasgow, absolutely. Yeah, fair I enough. Say it's I'll give a you bit that milder. one. Milder. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, so when did you? You're in Norway now, yeah. Mm-hmm. When yeah, did I'm you move to Norway, and what brought you to Norway? However many years ago it was. Uh, I first moved here like at three months. Uh, so my dad's whole side of the family is Norwegian, um, which is why I ended up coming back as an adult. But uh, I came to do a master's degree uh, back in 2014, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was here. Uh, I decided to, I was still playing at that point and uh, I joined a team here and then, and they asked me like, oh, we're starting our national program. Do you want to coach? <laughs> and uh, at that point I had coached for, I think only two years. So that was like my third season as a coach. And oh, wow. which, so I just thought that's a wild thing to jump to from having uh, coached youth lacrosse in the US and Canada and then suddenly becoming, running a national program. Um, but I did it and it was just like the most crazy experience ever. So we went to our first Euros and, uh, and got to kind of build the whole, like, or, you know, figure out, you know, the culture of what we wanted to build as a team and stuff like that. So I did that for two years. Um, and then I just, I fell in love with Oslo. I love, I have some family here as well. So that's helpful. My sister is actually back in Scotland as well. She's in the Highlands. And so it's actually nice being like an hour flight away from yeah, that as opposed from like the other side of the world. And now I have a niece, so it's uh, I'm actually in the UK quite a bit. But um, yeah, so that's how I came back to Norway. It was uh, oh, wow. I wanted to do a master's degree, and as you probably so, know about the United States, it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get a, a degree there, whereas here the, you don't pay for tuition. So Mike gave us the lowdown on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually went and researched it afterwards. I was gobsmacked at the, the yeah. price of uh, masters and stuff. When he was saying it, I was like, 
seems a really weird way of going about getting your master's degree and then i looked into it and i was like oh yeah, yeah i completely get why people do that yeah um that's awesome so you've just fully embraced the culture got on board and, and working with a national program literally yeah. like that <laughs> all yeah. right now be honest which is you said about oh i've only done youth uh youth lacrosse which is harder coaching youth lacrosse or the national program oh um I joked to myself when I started coaching at the national level, I was like, I never thought that teenage girls would end up being the easiest I've coached, but they ended up being <laughs> the 14 to 16 year olds that I was like, ended up being no problem. The, uh, I think the, the, the young ones were the hardest. I think my first was under 15. So I was dealing with 10 to 14. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think it's just a huge range in, in maturity, especially in yep. emotional maturity. And, um, and, parents I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the that was one of the one blessing about uh working with the national program and now like i've coached now for you know the past seven years that i've been here and i only have coached adults and just not having to ever worry about parents yeah. except for them bringing you gifts and hugs and things like that because they're so just excited that their daughter is is still playing as an adult uh that i love dealing with uh yeah, i can imagine so uh, no, but it's I think, uh, yeah, national program is just, it's, uh, for me, it was, you know, I very much felt that it means something different if you're playing for your country. It absolutely does. And for me, it was, I had to take it as, as seriously as they did mm -hmm. with the training and, um, and the dedication and respect, like how much time and money they were using to kind of fulfill this dream. And so very much, uh, took that on as a coach. Um, and it's, I mean, I shout out to anyone else doing it just because it's a monster job and everyone's doing it probably on top of their nine to fives, which I was Absolutely. doing, or I was doing it on top of a master's degree. And I mean, I was working 30 hours a week doing that. So it was it's massive, <laughs> it's a massive yeah. amount of work. Um, but I learned so much sure. doing it. So, um, it, uh, it's worth taking the challenge if you get the opportunity to do it. I always find it funny. I always said like about youth and national, you'd, you'd look at a national program, you'd be like, wow, that's like, that's, that's huge. I'm going to be in over my head or what's involved in that. And then you actually skin it. And it's like, these people want to be here to play. They'll literally do what I tell them. Everyone's positive. Everyone's on the same page. We're all trying mm -hmm. to push in the same direction. We're all trying to help each other. And then you look at a 10 year old who doesn't want to play lacrosse and just wants to play football or rugby and you're like I, I definitely know which one I'd, I'd be more comfortable coaching yeah um, and I had a bit of self-doubt as well because I said you know do I have the right to be this kind of coach if I've only done it for two years but then I realized you know because everyone starts so much later here that you know when I ended up running my first training session I remember like one of my players who actually is playing again for me now I heard her come off the field she just said oh I'm learning so much I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be fine. Yeah, <laughs> as long as I just hear. know more than them, then we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. Everyone's going to really propel each other yep. with the drive and the energy. Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, so it was great. Awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right, Anna, who is your favorite person in the game? I may have to give a slight TED Talk okay. about Henning Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my man, Henning. <laughs> Friend of the show um no just an all-round uh, legend legend human absolutely uh so i first um i first met henning in 2019 we're both on this uh on the world lacrosse coach development committee uh and then we went through coach developer training together in in philadelphia in 20 
20 in January, so almost exactly two years ago. And um, he had the role as coaching coordinator with the ELF uh, before I did. And so a lot of my kind of early days was checking in with him, like bouncing ideas off and things like that. And then he got a grant for Luxembourg to run these coaching clinics, um, which then everything got derailed by COVID, right? So um, he was so helpful in that beginning kind of stage to to bounce ideas off of because it was I called it, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. I'm like, okay, let's start an interview series and a yeah. YouTube series and all this kind of stuff to just see what we can get coaches that they need, that I, what can I bring to them? Uh, and then we figured out a way to, to really make an amazing digital experience for people going through coach training, which is what we've really worked on the past year uh, or 18 months. And, um, and it's just been the most wonderful experience. I think we have a great balance of, of personalities, whereas, um, and build off each other all the time. So I'm like, I'm crazy structured. I'm always over-prepared and he is this the opposite. He's not underprepared, but he's so great at improvising in a yeah. way that it's like my brain doesn't even understand. I'm like, how do you just pull this out of your hat when you need to? <laughs> I wish I could only dream of that. Um, and so when we're leading these um, these coaching clinics, you know, I'm great about like sticking to the schedule and things like that. And he reads the room and throws in anecdotes and stuff like that to wake people up or tell me he's like, we need a five minute coffee break or um you know, he'll go off on a tangent with a crazy, wonderful story. I'm like, Henning, 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 we got to get back on schedule. <laughs> back in the room, come on. <laughs> we got 38 slides to get through. Uh, no, uh, but uh, I think we just have, we have such a, a shared vision for, for the sport and what we want to see, how it grows in a way that is really positive. And I think we talk about like people love the sport so much and we have such a tight knit community and it's kind of preserving the thing, the good things about that and making sure that we, we nurture that. So, uh, and we're just both, uh, we just want to help as much as possible. I think that's, so half of our jobs with each other is like building each other up, coming up with new, new ideas, but also protecting each other's time and making sure that no one's over committing. Cause we, one of the things we, we talk most about to, to coaches that are coming into this is just avoiding the burnout because yeah. that's what, you know, we talked about, you have to set boundaries and pick what you're going to able be able to do but um but yeah so over the past two years it's been like there have been times where we talk to each other three times a day it's just like he's become one of the most important people in my life and like I said I've had a very rough month you know who calls me every I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating every 72 hours Henning is like calling me facetiming me texting me he's like how are we doing I'm just checking in what do you need (laughs) I'm just like, what's wild about it is that I have only seen him in person once. No way. Yeah. So like we say what you will about the pandemic, but, you know, we met each other in Philadelphia for two yep. days and have never seen each other again. It's, and so we've built this incredible, wonderful working relationship and friendship uh, all on Zoom and WhatsApp and Facebook and just, you know, so it's it really is possible to build these incredible relationships even given crazy circumstances and uh and yeah and so now i think i finally get to meet him in in portugal next month <laughs> i'm crossing my fingers i'm gonna cry that i can guarantee <laughs> you i'm just gonna cry this giant six foot man he's an absolute legend i i did a lot of work with henning when he was in the uk and uh he's got you said like you know he's got an ability to cut through the bullshit he yeah. doesn't 
he gets the, if he says he's going to do something he does it and he doesn't mm. skirt off over here or skirt off over there he's like this is the outcome what's the quickest most efficient way of getting there and what do we need bam done like yeah. I, the the rate that he works at when you said oh you know um he, he's off the cuff and he, he i wish i could improvise i think he that's just because that's the way his brain's wired he's like yeah, this exactly. is what they need to know they don't need to see slide 37 we're going to talk no. about it and you know he's he's an absolute legend i used to love working with him um because i don't think i've ever met anyone that works in the way he works either mm -hmm. uh so it's great i think um he especially you know as we've gotten to know each other we understand each other's idiosyncrasies like he knows to, to almost preemptively call me to be like yes you can do that don't, <laughs> doubt. <laughs> don't doubt yourself he's like you're gonna call me about this next week wondering should i do this and you should do it <laughs> uh so it's like it's nice he's one of those voices i just get to keep in the back of my head now just being like no just do it you're good enough. You're fine. Well, shout great. out to Henning. The man's shout an absolute legend. Love him. Yeah. Um, all right, let's flip that on its head. Your biggest grudge in the game, please. I had trouble coming up with this. Or I did until about a month ago where I, because, you know, I am on two different, I'm on a board, I'm in a committee, so I'm like, oh, okay, how are we going to answer this? And then I realized, actually, I do have one that bugs good. me constantly. Good. Constantly. And I feel like I'm in the unique position to complain about it openly and that's american parents at international <laughs> tournaments yes go i mean go. i'm all for it the condescension first of all is just <laughs> it's so obnoxious and I, like i said when i even when i go back to the states into the airport and i just get off at baggage claim i'm already like these people are just so obnoxious <laughs> and just not even rude but and i we have tons of players who come over we have teams that come over and i've never seen it with the players I never see it with the players, even if they are wildly more experienced or having shutout games. They are so excited to meet European players and, and learn from each other and, and share what they know. But it's the parents who don't understand that there's a completely different set of rules or chirping at the refs in a yeah. way that just is disgusting to me. And they just have this air about them and it, or like 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 they're trying to... They're, we're so lucky to be experiencing... The version of this game that they've perfected and i'm just like could not care less <laughs> could not care less um and yeah so i just it's just not my favorite thing that is my my grudge that's a great grudge and it's one that actually <laughs> resonates with a lot of stuff when other people say about grudges you know back chatting refs and stuff like that um it kind of taps into those territories as well like is it is it like that in the States? Is that just the norm? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I would say it is. Okay. I mean, of course, nothing is universal, but I think it's just they are just far more open with openly criticizing or, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to get... I'm going to get clapback on this, but it's fine because I'm going great. off my own experiences. <laughs> the whole idea, So that question literally came about. Uh, when I first started doing this podcast, I was like, right, what do I want to know? What do I want to find out about people and players and stuff like that? Um, and I'm well up for changing questions. If anyone's ever got any suggestions on questions, please do let me know. People have come forward and, and done that before. But I actually really like that question because everyone in lacrosse in the UK and, and probably Europe as well, we're all quite like nice reserved we're all everyone's mm. pally pally because it's such a small world uh such a small world that we play in and that that i i, I thought to myself i really want to hear some people be like don't like that team don't like them at all like that's an absolute <laughs> grudge and i think that is yeah all right it's a bit of negativity but it also can bring a little bit of spice about the game you know reinvigorate some stuff um it, it all i mean i think i'm trying to think of the other questions we had talked about and one of the things that you know culture is a thing it's about 
protecting the culture in a way. It's like, I don't want to see that come here. I don't want to see that grow here. I don't want to see that encouraged. Uh, that's when I was like, I love, I'm happy to step up and be like, stop talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Let people get on and do what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. What are you up to away from lacrosse? I laughed at that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I put it in. I really uh, don't. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm always doing lacrosse. <laughs> always, always. Um, but I love it. Uh, and so I, I, the answer I came up with is that actually um, I didn't expect to love, like I love coaching. I, I love everything about it. Uh, I didn't expect to love the coach development part of it so much. And okay. The, I love developing athletes and the whole the leadership skills and, and all that kind of stuff and just really helping people grow up and being along with them on that journey. Uh, that's why I get out of bed in the morning. And so kind of figuring out how I can do that away from sport but also be doing that, um, I, I look into a lot more now, just like general developing people, whether it's at work or um, friendships and mentorships and, and things like that. Uh, so that's really what I've, um, where my brain goes. But I, I am very good, even though I'm crazy busy, when I turn off, I turn off. So it's like, if I'm not working on the cross, there's a 99% chance I'm just like in a corner knitting with a beer <laughs> or a glass of wine and just have zero thoughts going through my brain. Uh, so you have to do that nowadays. You literally do like, I mean, I'm going to sound like a real old goat here but with mm. you know email social media and stuff like that you you could just constantly go at it you could wake up let's say i'm going to get up two hours early and try and achieve everything that i achieved that i want to achieve in a day you're not going to do it expectations yeah. are just getting more and more and more so it, it's really nice to have that ability to be like yeah, right and we talk I haven't about like the back day- phones off it's in the corner yeah, and we talk about like the dangers of overscheduling children, but it was also a complete danger of overscheduling yourself. And so I've leaned into that uh, now. Like if I'm on vacation, it's like no, I will not even open my email. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, and I I try to work out. Oh, work out. I say in quotes. But uh, I run a lot now, so I try to run you know 15 ish a week, k, and then uh, skiing. 15k a week yeah 15 to 20 when it's not snowing outside and icy um so that's been great and then yeah skiing during the during the winter so you actually do quite a bit away from lacrosse then <laughs> running 15k I don't a week feel like I skiing do, knitting drinking beer there's loads <laughs> yeah hanging out with friends or oh, it's like when i do hang out with people it's mostly with my players and with my team so it's still lacrosse <laughs> um so it's uh yeah, my social network and all that stuff is all tied together. So, like most of us, or I think a lot yeah. of us in, uh, in this is. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right, so give us your take uh, on something you've heard in a previous episode that you'd like to offer your two pence on. Oh, I have 15 pounds worth of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got no, change I think, if necessary. No, I uh, I, I think the, the hardest thing that's been able to that I've listened to, I think, and it's take it's been over the past year has been the whole this dialogue around sixes. Um, oh, go on. Yeah. Oh, I have I have a list. Um, no, it's just um, I think it was very misunderstood in the beginning, or I think that it. I think there's a weird undertone of some people thinking that there's this like ulterior motive by a world lacrosse to like destroy everything we know and love for the sake of you know, the Olympics or whatever. And it's just, I'm not even, I'm not on those committees, but I get to see a lot more and I know who's working on those kind of stuff. And it 
it's like the opposite <laughs> of that. It's just like everyone is just working their butts off to um, to create this thing. And uh, I remember the first time I went to I went to a presentation on it. I went in skeptical because I was like, I don't understand why this is needed. You know, this is like one more thing. Um, what exactly and, were you skeptical about? Because I've spoken to a few people, and there's a f there are a few different reasons that people you know throw their toys out the pram. Um, this is when I had really barely any insight into it. I'm like, why do we need a 66 game or something like that? And so, um, but honestly, by the end of the hour, I was like leaning forward in my seat, just buzzing with the understanding of the like the ideas of what this could do uh, in terms of in terms of growth and what the first thought I had was that this is a game changer for small towns, places where you can't get, a, you know, so much of like, I think what the struggles that are mentioned on, on this podcast by everyone is like travel time, the amount of time it get, takes to get to places. But if you think about villages and small towns that only have maybe a hundred kids, you know, suddenly it's like, if you have 30 kids, you have enough for one team. And that's not your optimal learning scenario. If you have 40 kids, you have four or sixes teams. That's a league. Yeah. And so it's like your growth, just like, yeah, you're not getting all of the detailed, technical, systematic knowledge that you're going to get in the 10v10 game. But if you're a kid, that's, I don't care about you knowing that yet. I want you moving. I want you out of the house. You almost don't want to know that yet. We've spoken no, about that don't. You, you can know, get bogged down with that. Yeah. And um, I especially think... Our sport is quite unique uh, in the fact that we have completely different sets of rules for men and for women. So we have a scenario where it's like you could have a hundred refs in a city and not be able to have a women's game take place yeah. because no one knows the rules, you know, which is honestly a huge prevention. It prevents growth on a, on a massive scale. So to now have a version of the sport where there's maybe three rule differences between the two you are going to unlock just the opportunity to play uh, so much more than than we would in the past. Um, so I think that's a, a big thing. Um, my my approach to it has always been like, not everything is for you. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, not yes. everything is for you. And uh, people are like, but how does this how does this affect me and what I want? I'm like, it's not about you. It's about people who haven't even been born yet. Like, how are we going to get sticks in their hands? And uh, I know a lot of people were also like, well, what about box? Because box is already, um, you know, 66 or, yeah. And that just drove me crazy because, you know, we talk about how the sport is too expensive. Yeah, it's inaccessible. And, how, and it's inaccessible. So you think that to grow the game, we're going to, is everyone going to bring their own plexiglass to practice? Like, how are you, there's no infrastructure for box for it to actually grow. We can't even grow it where there is a thriving lacrosse community because there's no facilities for it different equipment different goal sizes you know you're adding expense on expense on expense on expense and even if you do have the facilities you know getting time that's not ice time is also hard you're fighting against ice hockey that already has you know dominion over that um and then you know i was like you're not going to grow the game in rural thailand with box across <laughs> like no. um so then you have this other kind of side of things where people are like worried that it's going to overtake the 10v10 game, which I can understand in in a sense, but at the same time, or he's like, oh, are they going to promote this over over the full field game? Is it is the 
is that game in a, like a threatened position because of that, which I don't prescribe not, to it. I hear what you're saying, but it's not a problem if it if it is the more popular version of the game that then gets advertised because of that, then that's the right thing to do. Like you said earlier, I don't overly like it. I like Field, but it doesn't yeah. have to apply to me. But if Sixes is the advertised version and it is the easier developed game and kids can pick it up and I'm just going to keep rattling off reasons why it could be successful, then that is the game that gets advertised, you know? Yeah. That's the game but that also, gets pushed. But I also think like, so much of growth comes down to what is like the path of least resistance. You know, what is the, has the opportunity to grow? And I always think about, you know, what is the most popular sport in the world? Football. football. I would say it's absolutely football. In terms of like the number of players around the world. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think of some obscure like Asian sport somewhere. No, this is not a... No, it's just football. Oh, <laughs> you know the world cup all this stuff that is, and because of that the most i would argue or assume the most common infrastructure in the world is a football field yeah you know yeah so if you we owe a huge debt to the existence of football fields or else we wouldn't really have a place to actually play our own sport unless we were out there painting lines on a field on grass um so the fact that the world is already riddled with full field football fields means there's going to be a whole lot of 10 v 10 because people aren't going to be lining up a sixes field <laughs> or bringing out all the extra cones to make the correct dimensions for the smaller field. Like we have this existing infrastructure that uh, makes the 10v10 game so easy to play yeah. in so many different places. So I think if there's, you know, even logistical reasons, there's a reason that the, the 10v10 game is not going to go anywhere. Um, so I, uh, yeah, so I, I'm all for it. I think not just kids, but, you know, we said older players who would need a new home to go to when they don't want so much contact and just want, you know. I want to run more. You sure wanna, about but, that? Are you sure yeah, about that? Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> I feel like we also have gotten the skewed version of what it's going to look like because of, you know, they keep displaying it and what they keep showing yeah. everyone is crazy elite players. Yeah, we've it. had the Whereas, fly, we've had home, yeah, home nationals, which stuff is, like that. I looks, agree with you there. It looks great or, you know, I'm it's i still still not my favorite version of lacrosse like i'm you know but we have to start somewhere we can't wait another 10 years to find out the perfect rules it's like no we need to get as many people playing it as possible because then we get as much feedback as possible and come up with a rule system that that makes sense and that is beneficial to everyone but um you know i think there's a lot of people who also say like you know the best version of box or of, of lacrosse is that backyard lacrosse that you play with your mates and you know there's just like 10 of you on a field i'm like it sounds a whole lot like sixes yeah. or even we've on a beach <laughs> we've just codified the rules for you congratulations yeah. and now you now you know who actually won your back your backyard kind of tussle um so how so I'm important do you think it is to get it like it's obviously at the world games uh how important do you think it is to get it in the olympics because that's where like i said you get the purists who are like no if it's filled why aren't we flogging field um, why are we pushing sixes? I cannot see a valid argument for not getting lacrosse in the Olympics. I'd say at all costs, like invent another, I don't care what version of the game, but how is that not the be all and end all as far as we're concerned? When I think about sixes, like I can talk about it for an hour and not even have the Olympics enter the conversation. Cause I think that's how valid of a version it is and how how much it makes sense to have as just an option for people yeah. to to have to play. And so I think, you know, so much of um, what you have to do as a governing body is not just come up with things. It's like you're responding to what your countries are asking for. And if 
countries all over the world, maybe not yours, maybe because you don't have those resource issues or, or field access issues and things like that. But if, if 30 different countries are saying, we're not able to field, get enough people to create a real league, it would be great if there was just like an official way to have smaller rosters. So if you have that question coming from your membership and you also have the Olympics, which has interestingly similar requirements mm-hmm. for the kind of game that you that they will accept because so much of the rules are tailored to you know specifications that you can't be an olympic sport with regular lacrosse with field lacrosse with no. box lacrosse you just can't um there's no space the olympics is massive you know well yeah the if other bring... issue is they they don't push team sports that much do they it's kind of individual well, stuff the, they want here's the thing is think about the logistics if you want if you say lacrosse men's lacrosse can bring 200 athletes that's four rosters right you have a 25 25 man roster for a 10 v 10 game that's four you don't have an olympic tournament with four teams (laughs) so if you have a 200 allotment because they have to feed those people they have to house those people they have you know it's a huge massive thing so they can't say oh yeah we'll have 20 different countries bring 25 man rosters and then you know 18 uh female rosters you know um instead you say we have 200 athletes great 20 teams yep now i guess they've upped the roster size a bit to to 12 i think it's 12 now but still that's a tournament yes that gives you three from europe a couple from asia north and south america and africa and uh oceania so you get the geographic spread you get a proper tournament where you can play you're not going to get that with the full field um so and then you can't have a full field game with that few players because they get gassed they get gassed in the short field on sixes uh so everything has to adjust to the fact that you know the olympics is not just open for a new sport of 400 people to show up tomorrow um and it'd be a four turn and a four game round robin <laughs> uh so i i like i said the to to build that and to come up with the best version of what that looks like is an insane task uh, and I think, and some of the people working on it um, are, are just fantastic minds in terms of lacrosse, and they come from all over. Um, so I know we have European reps on that coming up with um, the different rules, uh, ideas, and things like that. So it's uh, really the input is coming from from around the world to to build that. Okay, cool. Does I that answer the question? I'm trying to remember how you asked it in the beginning. Absolutely. Wait. Well, it- uh what basically a topic that you'd heard previously and we, we've heard about sixes a hell of a lot um like you i think you've made a couple of really really valid points there um it's not for everyone but it doesn't have to be for everyone that's not the point and i again i'd probably just blame social media and everyone having a platform to turn around everyone and create needs to a have meme an opinion, about but it we like that yeah too. like um um it's going to serve purpose isn't it it's definitely going to have we haven't got too much lacrosse going on that's for sure we don't have enough lacrosse going on and you know what i'm I'm trying to remember what's like public officially and not yet but i with sixes it's going to be the first uh championships that are that run in the winter have you ever thought that all of our lacrosse championships our euros our our world championships they all happen in the summer north the northern hemisphere summer so for us, we're like, oh, that's great. Summer vacation, easier to take off work. Yep. Everyone in Australia, South America, like they are at work. <laughs> they, you know, they their summer vacation is in December. So, um, and we have run out of calendar spaces. We have box championships, field, men's, women's, U20, everything. So it's just, uh, 
That's always going to be the way, isn't but it? But suddenly, Australia is going to be like, oh, finally, something that we don't have to structure our entire thing around making sure that the Europeans have summer vacation or, you know, that it's more yeah. convenient, which is something I had never thought about, which is, of course, because we don't think about it unless right. you live in that kind of um, where that's the norm for you. <laughs> unless it affects to... you, you're not going to, are you? It's just yeah. the way it is. So I was like, of course we should even that out. Because some people are going to say, oh, I can go to summer tournaments, but, you know, I can't take up yeah. time or two weeks in, in February. Congratulations. Focus on the team that plays in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But, um, yeah, in general, I'm all I'm all for it. I think it'll be easier for people to just pick up and and enjoy. I think you're going to have a lot more mixed teams with the boys and girls because there's so few rule differences. Why does it matter? And if that gets someone to stay in the game longer, great, you know. Okay, cool. The sister gets dra dragged to her brother's practice. Fabulous. I think it's going to be interesting to see mm -hmm. how it works because we've obviously, like you said, we've seen a lot of the fly. We've seen a lot of home nationals. It's been played. It's been broadcasted at that high end. I'm interested to see, and we're not going to know for a few years, uh, how it affects the development side. I think I'm, that's where I'm really kind of keen to know um, what it's going to look like, how it's going to affect the game, how it's going to help grow the game, like implementing mm -hmm. it in, at school age almost, if you will, um, and seeing if we can get it to take off there. It will, it, it, the same thing applies. It's certainly easier to get it to take off at that age than it is filled. I think we're all trying to mm -hmm. do filled and that's not working. But <laughs> um, Okay, cool. What would you change about the game if you could? This one was a hard one for me. Um, really? I, um, yeah. I almost didn't have a, an answer. Um, and then... Then I thought back to my previous grudge. <laughs> no, um, just because I have, I've actually gone back to the states a couple times this year for the first time in a while. Uh, I would just, I want to make sure that this whole like we don't really have a problem. I think with the broy culture of lacrosse here as much as the states, whereas in the states it's just like very much like I would love to just not import that. <laughs> um, I think the university game maybe I wouldn't call it broy, but it's definitely got a UK twang to it should we say a little bit so i think it's always going to have hopefully like local variations to what you know lacrosse is but i think that ends up being almost exclusion uh, you know a reason not to play as a as opposed to a reason to play so i like to kind of make sure we're when i think about what does what does inclusivity mean what's the attitude of our sport i i get concerned about that a little bit okay. um but I think, you know, I love the community here and I love the so many different variations of it. I think what's awesome about Europe is that you have 30 different countries and everyone has their own sport culture. So it's cool. To, like, there are stylistic differences between Germany and Spain yep. and, and England and Czech Republic, which is just, I mean, it makes it so much more interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably my... My okay. thing. I couldn't really, because I mean, I'm only going to be able to comment on, yeah, I wish there was more money. I wish we had more games and, and all that kind of stuff, but um, that kind of stuff takes time. You know, well, I think we got quite a nice culture, like European particularly. Um, I couldn't mm. speak for the States and, and other um, Australia and stuff like that, but I think in the UK and in Europe in particular, it is like a little family and it's important mm. that it stays that way. And I do know what you mean about like the bro culture. Um, but I reckon, I personally, I think that's because we almost fight the opposite way. When you say, when you tell someone you play lacrosse in the states, it's bro culture. When you tell mm. someone you play lacrosse in the in the UK, they look at you like 
you went to an all-girls school? And you're like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. It's not like that. Like, we, we almost try and preserve it um, for oh, what it, it is. We're a bit particular about it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit scrappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Right, give it a follow. Uh, who do you want the listeners to of the show to go and follow on social media? It doesn't have to be lacrosse-related in any way. Yeah, I went through. I was like, who do I actually follow on social media? But uh, most of it's lacrosse stuff. But actually, I'm going to do a, a, a sports neutral. Um, okay. And that's, I think it's actually been mentioned before. But um, it would be Coach T at the speed system. So the underscore speed underscore system. Um, what I appreciate so much is like, people share so much free stuff on social media and it's been such a leveler in terms of getting people exposed to new ways of training and technical knowledge and things like that. And what was so awesome about him is that he tells you the why behind all the stuff he does about injury prevention and why you need to learn this movement and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we actually had him on to do a interview last year uh, with the European, we have like a European lacrosse coaches Facebook group. And so he just came and did a webinar with us for an hour where anyone could ask questions and uh, answers tons of questions on social media. And uh, what was the last thing I'm going to say? Yeah, we did actually, when they announced sixes, we did a, an Instagram live. Him, he invited me and Tom Wenham because uh, now it's like, you know, you meet people once and then it's just suddenly there's like a, a friendship. So absolutely. Um, great guy. Um, really just cares a whole so much about athletes and at any level any age so uh if you have questions uh, or want advice i would say uh, give him a follow yeah awesome okay and he so he's doing like sport movement it's not lacrosse specific it is Some why it you're is. doing what you're doing type thing yeah so it's and and why you need to build things and how much time to dedicate it and like how often to do it like getting into the not just do this exercise once and it's cool it's like yeah. here's how you build a a system for your team, for players, what's healthy, what's not healthy, why your ankle should move this way and not that way yeah. in ways that, you know, we don't. Uh, and I, I mean, I had him on because I think so many of our coaches, well, here's the thing, like we hadn't, we haven't been educating coaches. <laughs> I guess we'll get into what I actually do uh, next, but it's, uh, I felt like, you know, we inherit so much knowledge from whoever we took over for because no one had been getting certified or under, you know, proper training as a coach. And I wanted to interrupt that because I was like, what have, what has changed from 10 years ago that we're probably still doing because the coach that came before us, who that came before us, came before us. That's, that's how you do a warm up. That's how we learn how to do our warm ups, right? Yep. What should we be switching out? What is, because science has evolved. I'm sure they have evolved as, as physiotherapists and, and trainers and things like that. So I'm like, what's the conventional knowledge that has actually switched over the past 10 years that we should know that we don't know because we don't study this and read journals and stuff like that. So That is it for episode 29. Special thanks to Anna for the first installment of her episode. We're back next time with episode 30. See you then.